It is once again time to focus on the league here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I came across the 2020 Whiskey Bible Whiskey of the Year in my travels this week. I have purchased it and opened it and will be drinking it live on the podcast. I have not tried it before. It is a 1792 full proof. And when I say full proof, it is 125 proof. Uh, I do have a little bottle of water here that I can add one of my quick pourers, but I should try it at full strength first. <laughs> this is great podcast. I mean, yeah, it needs a little water. <laughs> It's not bad. <laughs> it needs a little water. You can see his face. That wasn't a great. To put. I mean, it's just it's very it's very tight on the palate. So we're gonna add a little bit of water here. See if that opens it up. I mean, ideally, you want to drink your whiskey between like ninety five and one hundred five. So at I least you didn't make that whiskey face. <laughs> what face was that? Then? Nah, we, need, all right. we need drink cheap whiskey in here. <laughs> Jameson's. It's very nice. Um, oh, good. Buckle up. I mean, it still has some heat on it, but it's actually very, like, it, it stretches out sort of the punchiness of it across the, the palate. It's almost got, like, a nice, like, like pepper spice note to it. It's quite pleasant. It's this wasn't expensive either, was it? It's quite a reasonable price, whiskey. No, I mean, the Whiskey Bible it tends to be fairly egalitarian in terms of the stuff they rank highly like uh the crown royal northern harvest rye won a few years ago and that's like 28 dollars, i think what's what's it called again this whiskey uh 1792 full proof it's uh it's like if you if you drunk uh like jefferson before it's the same uh, is that company american whiskey oh yeah i've had yeah. jefferson yeah. yeah it's it's the same uh distiller nice all right all right let's start the show <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also have as a as a chaser here because I only poured an ounce of it, and it's going to be hopefully not as long as last week. I have a uh, Kent Falls Yeesh, which they both describes a performance against Fulham, and is a lovely Czech style pilsner. On the line in the shadow of Red Bull Stadium, possibly sneaking glances at his TV and the Red Bull game. It's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? I'm also on the whiskey today, uh, a slightly uh, more common variety, a uh, bullet rye as usual. Uh, it's my second of the night, maybe third. Um, and uh, <laughs> if I was thinking of you at the Red Bull Arena tonight, uh, Jeff, it would be with to watch NYCFC because I was playing there right now. Hmm. Um, Rebels are playing in Miami. Hmm. Uh, I believe they might have won. I think I was checking my phone um, a minute ago. I think they won 2 1, which is a rare occurrence nowadays. Wait, NYCFC is playing at Red Bull Arena? <laughs> yeah. Oh, they can't play at Yankee and Stadium. Unfortunately, I believe they just lost. NYC did. And I believe NYC uh, FC just lost to Toronto 1-0 on a penalty in the 90th minute. Oh, sweet. I, mean, I don't like Toronto either, but um, I'd rather see you know, NYC lose there. Toronto yeah. by Hartford FC. Yeah. Also online this week in uh, South Carolina, it's Tommy Byrne. Tommy, what are you drinking? Today I'm drinking a local. It's a Westbrook. It's called Beer to Drink When It's Hot Out. Because I don't know about you guys, it's still hot out here. It was very warm today. Uh, it yeah, nice. it was, uh, we, we pushed 85 today. So uh, it was, you know, outside working, work up a good sweat, mow the grass. You can smash about 10 of these. And it's a wonderful <laughs> key lime lager. Uh, very southern in taste. Got a little bit of, you know, like tastes like sea salt. It's a it's a wonderful oceanside beer. So you smash ten beers while working. Mind your own business. <laughs> uh, there's no East Coast bias this week as we are joined by our Cascadia owl, Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Hey, how you guys doing? It is um, raining in Portland, Oregon. So in my own little corner of uh, anarchist jurisdiction i'm enjoying reverend nat's hard cider this is the uh i feel jealous listening to you guys with their whiskeys this is a six percent alcohol the uh revival heart red apple good stuff hopefully we'll have some good stuff on episode 106 we will review the watford and Fulham games cover the wednesday news preview bristol city 
with Dan from N, uh, BFC. BCFC NYC. It's too many letters. Just call it like New York City City or something. (laughs) (laughs) And do the usual meetup news as well. We'll start with the Watford review. I guess I have to do 90 and 90 here for a nil-nil draw. That's the thing I'm going to do. All right. Patty likes it when I do them off the cuff. And I, as as we know, we've been very discombobulated so far on this show. I'm counting this as part of the 90 seconds for the record, too. Watford nil, Wednesday nil. Wednesday, very successful pressing Watford early. Some good chances in the first half hour. Well organized, ball in the final third lacking. You've heard it all before. Watford grows into the game towards the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Really turns the screw the last half hour or so. But the Wednesday defense stands resolute. A few, uh, I don't want to call them mistakes, but maybe not as confident in the box as Cameron Dawson has been the last few weeks. But Watford's unable to find a goal. You know, Wednesday dominated the first half hour. Watford looked more likely to score the last half hour. On balance, a draw seems fair. Patty, your talking point from the Watford game is the makeshift defense. Yeah, I've called it makeshift because no one would have... uh said that we're going to start the season with uh, Josef van Aken and uh, Matt Penny at left wing back and Kadeem Harris at right wing back. Uh, and to some extent, even Tom Lees' uh, position wasn't guaranteed, right? Um, so to say it is a makeshift defence, this has been a fantastic start to the season. And this is a game last season we would have screwed up towards the end, right? When that pressure was mounting uh, uh, from like the 60th minute onwards, we would have made a mistake and we would have uh, lost that. I actually think Dawson made two great saves. I think he had a great game. Um, but I really want to call out um, the two much maligned defenders uh, on this podcast, which is Joost van Aken and Tom Lees. I mean, I think maybe much maligned by you. We know that Joost van Aken fan. <laughs> I mean, I can't remember if I was a bad word against either of them, to be fair. Uh, but I credit where it's due, right? So I'm always, I'll always take a a bullet and say that, um, I mean, they were bad last time we uh, last season. Tom Lees had a bad season. Van Aken was bad in the first game against uh, Walsall. But in the last uh, two games, they've been very good together. And uh, Tom Lees, um, I think, has really stepped up his uh, leadership, ironically, after he was taken away the captaincy. I don't know if you saw the interview with him on the website this week, too, about um, how he's handling it and how he took that. Obviously, he said he had a lot of uh, words with uh, Gary Monk, and he uh, said it's basically he wants he doesn't want to be remembered because of this now so he's trying to change the script on his career he doesn't want to be remembered for the guy that had his captaincy taken away from him uh, and i think he started that way and he's, he's leading the line he has some great blocks uh, there was a moment uh, which is, it was kind of like throwing himself in front of uh, the uh, waffle attacker i think around the 70th minute uh, and then windas this second block to follow up straight away the, the defending i thought um all season's been great, um, and these two have really helped. Um, so hats off, and a final last mention for Kadeem Harris too, because I think um, at right wing back he's been great too. We'll move from the defense to the midfield, and Tommy, you want to talk about Massimo Luongo? I tell you what, uh, watching that, uh, watching Luongo play is reminiscent of Hutch. It's every every play that he seemed to go into. It's like, uh, well. He's got to find that yellow. You know, we used to play Hutch Yellow Bingo. And now it seems we're going to have to play Luongo Yellow Bingo because he plays physically. He will go into a challenge. He doesn't care about the, you know, how his body is going to feel when he's 30. He just goes into it all out. And it is a joy to watch. I do Somebody think playing good, solid, proper English football. <laughs> Even though he's Australian, playing that you know, playing you know with with shoulders and knees and just not giving a damn, it's fun to watch. So I do think he's a little more. I mean, in in all aspects of his game, but I think his defense is a little more technical than Hutch's, and that he's not quite as. I guess it's he doesn't put himself in the position where he has to do the the Hutch challenge that we all know and love as yeah, much. He, just, he doesn't have to get the red card right. uh, as frequently as, as Hutch did. It's, uh, it's, I just 
but a, it's it's the pure physicality of it. And Hutch had no problem throwing his body in front of a you know a, in front of a striker who's teeing off from the 18. He didn't he, he'll throw his face in front of him. He didn't give a damn. And Luongo seems to have that same kind of passion where it's just like, I'm just going to play. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm putting everything out there. And if I get a concussion, then I'll deal with it later. It's interesting because he was, I think, last year with Hutch still sort of around the squad, used more as a, like, attacking midfielder, box-to-box midfielder. But with Izzy Brown in the lineup now, it does seem like he's sitting a little bit deeper behind uh, Bannon and Brown. And he's, I think he's, when he came uh, came over last season, it was said that he could play either position, Patty. But I think he has really taken more to that uh, deeper-lying role. He has. And I, and I think um, he's done it quietly as well. He's, he's, uh, I think the Watford game was definitely much more kind of like crash, bang, wall up and an all-action hero. But um, in the game before that too, he did it in a he did it in a kind of unnoticed way almost, which is why I'm glad that Tommy brought up this week because I think he deserves as much credit as the defense uh, for the, the clean sheets we've been keeping. Um, he's breaking plays up. He did a few great challenges against Watford, and then passes it off to someone else. Um, it's a little bit. I think you mentioned this last week, uh, Jeff. It's a little bit disappointing that we're not seeing him as much up the field because I think he has got the ability to. Uh, kind of like play those balls into uh, the attacking uh, forwards as well. But uh, that's not his role this year. Uh, and like Kadeem Harris, they've adapted to it and they're doing a job for the team. I love the fact that he's been completely unselfish. Yeah. You know, he's he's the kind of guy who wants to get up there and wants to scrap it up in the opponent's 18. He wants to make those big tackles and take those big, you know, free kicks. But he's he's on board with Gary Monk. All right, this is this is what this is what the boss told me to do. This is what I got to do. Speaking of Kadeem Harris, Mike, you want to talk about uh him switching sides of the field? Yeah. Um it, I can't even remember where we were a couple of years ago, but I remember we needed a pacey winger and that's all we ever talked about was our lack of a pacey, well, it's not all we talked about, but one of the repeated points we talked about was our lack of a pacey winger and then first three games last year we had this pacey winger out on the left Kadeem Harris, who was, we all thought was, this is going to be great. This is what we need. And I am, it was just odd to see him. We commented on this on our, um, our virtual uh, meetup this week against this match, seeing him on the uh, other side, seeing him on the left-hand side. But it's, as we've been talking about here, it's not just that he's, he's doing okay on the left, but he's also doing better, you know, not having to be the offensive player that he was. And he's doing a really good job at that, at that wingback position. I think it's a more nuanced discussion that we don't have players who need to do one thing the best that they possibly can, but we have role players who are learning a system. If we want to use big words like system, but you know, they are, they are fitting into their roles and I think it's, it's all coming together. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing it from everyone else who's, who's chimed in about what other role players we have on the team right now. And, um, it's just it's all positive so i just uh, kudos to kadeem harris for making the transition that he did and um looking forward to it more i think it has back to what we talked about last week too right everyone doing a job and pulling a team like the team together and there's a strategy there's a plan uh and that's it, it, it's it's a good follow-up and a good story from what we're telling from last week's call where we talked uh, at length about the energy and the strategy and and the, and the passion and the high press that uh, Monk's installed. But this week we're talking about individual performances and, and kind of highlighting what those people are doing well and kind of sacrificing to our team too. Yeah, I will put a little bit of a damper and this can sort of transition us to the Fulham game as well because my talking point, I think that stretches both games, at least the amount of the Fulham game I saw before my totally legal stream of it stopped working at the end of the first half. And it's just, okay, now what? So it's been a strong start to the season. You know, I, I will echo all the points so far about players playing well, bringing energy, knowing their role. We got to score goals. <laughs> like, so now what? So we've got this system now that works. Everyone knows 
what they're Bring doing. Bring back <laughs> We I, he's enjoying the Cypriot coast right now. We we can uh, like the first thirty minutes of the Watford game, we should have been one or two up. Uh, you know, Fulham could certainly have been gotten to, especially early, the way we pressed them when they were playing out from the back. You know, I I suppose if if Fizz does score that chance in front of the uh right, right at the edge of the six yard box, it's a, maybe a different story. But you know, I, I don't want to read too much into the Fulham game. You had Kamara and, and Knockhart basically up front bossing a bunch of teenagers under twenty threes. Like that that was that was going to happen. And I thought all in all the team acquitted themselves well, even if they couldn't find the end product. But it's a long season. There's a lot of points to be made up. There needs to be the ability to bag two goals a game here and there to win matches. And I just don't know if we're going to get that from the current strike force. I, I, I do remember it was, uh, I believe it was Windis who had almost a clear shot and, 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 and I don't know if he muffed it or if it was just a shank or whatnot, but it was, it, it went wide left. And was that the was, one he muffed and then he got a second chance at it and it got saved? Well, it was, it was one that went to the to the side of the goal. I think it was and like 20 out of uh, Yeah, I think so, yeah. But it was one of those, it's, it's, if you're a championship striker, that's your job to put that in the back of the net. And we, as soon as that happened, I went, we're not, this, this is going to, we're not scoring any goals today. <laughs> I think, yeah, to, to kind of cap off the Watford performance, Windass, um, we were singing his praise last week. And I think he still offers a, a great outlet for the uh, midfield. Uh, the way he moves around, uh, the way his energy is, he's great. But I think we saw against Watford that he's not also the most clinical person at times. Uh, which, if he was, he probably wouldn't be playing for us against that, that <laughs> conundrum where if you have a good player with one flaw, and if he fixes that flaw, he's too good for us. So, well, it's like he's player. he's. He brings a lot of the same things to the table that Hooper did, but Hooper was also very, like, first clinical finisher, but also would put himself in positions in the box to get strikers' goals. I don't know that Windash yeah. really plays like that. Exactly. Uh, Hooper. Hooper's something that we're missing because he is the guy who would find that he, he was much more not just clinical about where he'd put the ball, but way more clinical about where he put himself. It was he was very good at finding that open space, and he, if they could get him the ball, it was it was done. I know and, we talked too much about the Wembley season, probably even the podcast started after the Wembley season, but I just keep thinking back to the the Ross Wallace cross that turned into a goal in the return fixture against Brighton, and that's a great example of like Gary Hooper, maybe fouling the defender, but maybe not, but just like sort of putting himself about and being a nuisance and allowing that ball to that cross to sort of get through because he's just in the right place at the right time. Well, yeah. It's a, and that's also a scrappy attack yeah, yeah. right there. It's, I mean, that's, that's not a guy who's a, uh, you know, six foot three solid, you know, uh, what they call the, the proper forward. It's, this is the guy who's much more, he's got to be creative and this is what we need out of Josh Windis, uh, opposed to Jordan Rhodes, who's supposed to be the clinical finisher. Well, I, I mean, I, if we have, uh, let me see, one, two, three strikers on uh, on the squad right now, which I guess is how you end up consistently playing Adam Reach up front and running a false nine against Walsall, but... Rhodes is sort of the traditional number nine. I don't know if we can get him the quality of service that he needs. I don't know if he is, you know, the Blackburn and Huddersfield Jordan Rhodes anymore. Sort of a twofold problem. Windass is not really a traditional striker. Uh, he said as much. He feels that he's more like a number 10. Uh, and Kachunga hasn't really played in that role the last few years. Uh, he's played more as sort of like an out-and-out -out winger. So you don't have the sort of traditional championship setup with the strikers where you need like 
the big guy, little guy. I think we're in a position that we can roll the dice on. I shouldn't say roll the dice on roads, but I mean, let's again, I think we've stopped the bleeding. You know, the late goals didn't go in. Um, which again, considering how much time possession Watford had on Saturday was a bit of a miracle compared to last season. So or miracle was refreshing. So I think, I, I think it's going to come. I think, I think Rhodes, I think it's time. I think it's going to come. I'm Patty's going to have a good year. He's going to be happy. Um, I still think we may have Rhodes with somewhere between 10 and 15 goals this year. Thing is, though, wow, must... really? Yeah, <laughs> Jordan Rose gonna get 10 15 goals. That was Patty's prediction, as I recall. I know. I, I wow, just based on the amount of possession we've had, I think it's gonna happen. Someone up there needs to. Well, he only needs nine to 14 now. I was so. really <laughs> impressed with the Watford match. I mean, that's that's uh, that's half a Prem squad. Oh, totally. And um, and, and we put him to a nil nil draw, and and the possession was. Almost 50-50. And I tell you what, Barry Bannon had the worst game of hopefully the campaign. I mean, his passing was somewhere near, it was less than 50%. He did not boss the midfield like he normally does. I think the pressure of having the armband is starting to get to him. I hope not, Christ. It's a bit of a curse of the armband, if that's the case. It's I drive, drive, drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But it's uh, I I was I was happy with the Watford draw. Because if we can draw home and away to the top six and you know win both in the bottom six and win at home, either draw or lose away to the to the mid tables, we're still sitting pretty. No, I think it's a good start to the season. And uh, I, I've got one more thing about John Rhodes, then we can move to Fulham. Um, he, unless you feed him, um, he is essentially not there, right? We spoke about Gary Hooper and a striker that kind of pulls defenders around and, and creates space for others around him. Jordan Rhodes isn't even doing that right now. Uh, he's, he's got no strength. He's got no pace. All he's good at, and I'm hoping this is still the case, is is finishing in the box, right? But until we give him chances in the box, I, we can't even prove that theory right. Uh, and without the chances in the box, he's like not there. There's no, it's like we're playing ten men. So as much as I hope Mike's right, and I might at the beginning of the season uh, that we give him the service, I don't know if we can afford to have him on the pitch for ninety minutes. It, it's it's a disadvantage. Well, I just- couldn't agree more. Just in playing this out, I'd, in the... I'd rather have I'd, I'd God's honest, I'd rather have New You on on the pitch than Jordan Rhodes, especially in the last sixty minutes of the match. Well, Justin pointed this I mean, out he... in WhatsApp to us this week. That sort of he was looking over video, and they were bypassing you know, both Brown and Windass were bypassing Brown uh, Rhodes in the box. They had opportunities to square balls to him or get or get him more involved, and. Like, again, Jordan Rhodes does several things very well, and they're not really, like, running or hold-up play. Like, you need to feed him when he's in spots where he can do the maximum damage. And our service currently isn't good enough to do that, so... Currently, last year, the year before, since Jordan Rhodes signed... Patty, you're, you're the only one that watched Apparently the whole. Apparently, we're not Norwich, and we can't have that Jordan Rhodes. Yeah. We keep blaming him for that. We keep blaming other people for Jordan Rhodes. Mm-hmm. It's never Jordan Rhodes' fault. It's mm-hmm. everyone around him. Uh, Patty, you're the only one that watched the whole Fulham game, and your talking point is where did the energy go? Uh, yeah, so if you remember, if you were listening to last week's uh, podcast, uh, you remember me um, being effusive with praise about how um, it was really positive to see the B team. Uh, uh, I'm going to call them the B team, um, or the under-23s, having the same kind of philosophy and the same strategy drilled into them as the first team, right? So uh, they had the same high press, uh, same formation, obviously. Um, they looked and played similar to the the other team that played the week before. So totally different uh, uh, team. 11 changes again from Watford. Uh, the only change from uh, the Rochdale game is that Alex Hunt got a knock, so we brought in the new guy, Waldock. Who was for his senior debut? Waldy. Uh, 
Waldy. Where's Waldy? Uh, <laughs> and that's a good point. Actually, where was Waldy? He didn't really get much of the ball. Um, but fortunately, what was missing this time around compared to the Rochdale game was the high press and the energy that we brought to that game and what made me so kind of effusive praise. Um, I feel like we did a, a decent job in the first half, but Fulham didn't really get the memo and played pretty much 80% of their first team. Uh, against our basically under 23s so it was it was like man versus boy at, boys at sometimes and especially for their goals um uh, knockouts uh did really well uh to break away from the back three burn was a little off the pace um i hope that's the last time i say that this season but it feels like it won't be uh, and he squares it unselfishly through to um kamara who starts at home starts at home so it, it is worrying to see burner lose a bit of form um, it's good that we've got backup. Um, and to be fair, I think actually Kieran Brennan and um, Shoei look probably more composed and more in form than Burner right now on the backs of the last two cup games. However, they were found out for the second goal. Uh, and Omer, uh, actually, it was Waldock he was up against, not at the uh, not Brennan. So it was it a little was, unfair. It was Kamara against Waldock, which is like, it's, if you get that one on one in the box, what do you think is going to happen? No, for the second goal, it was a Noma. I think it was a Noma. Up, yeah. Because um, he just basically held him off at arm's yeah. length, like a, like, a, like a man versus a kid. Just I like, mean, nope, the actual, I think, how much of the difference do you think is they were playing a Premier League team instead of a League One team? <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm being hypercritical here, right? But what I didn't see was that same high press and same energy that I saw against Watcher. That's not something that uh, a Premier League team would stop us from doing. Uh, such that's still that's a game plan that we could have still have done, but we didn't do that. And the uh, we, we managed it relatively well. Uh, the golfing class, um, and we had chances to score, right? So, um, uh, Fizz had a, probably the best chance, uh, from a cutback from Odebayo and blasted it straight at the keeper. Shaw put a header wide, Shaw put a header wide like before even Fulham scored, yeah. Uh, we had chances, and it was, a, it was kind of like it's similar to Rochdale in the fact that we could have scored earlier on, but we didn't. But at least in Rochdale, we managed to score in the last in the second half. Whereas this time around, Fulham was obviously a better opposition and they were way more clinical than us. And sadly, what I, I didn't see in the second half was the um, was the energy of Rochdale where we just turned it up and, and, and completely outclassed them. To me, you'd look... I think Reach had a really good second half last week against Rochdale and he kind of conducted the the, the kind of, uh, metronome of that side, right? And he, he grabbed all the free kicks, he, he bossed the young kids and he, he set the pace. And... Maybe in the same respects that happened today to against Fulham in the fact that he just didn't turn up in the second half and there was no pace and there was no energy and there was no leadership. And I'm not blaming it all on Reach, but he was just gone. He didn't chase any ball down. He looks like he was inter- wasn't interested at all. And that's really worrying for me because we said last week the positives was that everyone was on the same page. Everyone was following the, the playbook which Gary Monk has done. And to see Reach completely just do nothing in the second half today was really disheartening. Was that uh, was that as much Adam Reach's lack of leadership, or was that how many teenagers we had on the pitch? I didn't get to watch the match. I just fought it on Twitter and and fought mob. So it's well, we had one, one change from last week, and I thought last week we we played better. And it, uh, Waldock is no Hunt. I'll give you that right. So the guy that came in for Hunt, uh, it was his first game in the senior squad, so I won't take him to pieces. So he was he was fine. But uh, Alex Hunt last week gave us a lot of uh, breathing space with uh, breaking the ball up and, and passing it forward, whereas Waldock didn't seem to do that as well. Uh, but what I said, I, I think the big difference for me this week was Reach uh, not really wanting to play <laughs> in second half. That wraps up our games for this week. Now we'll take a break. When we come back with the Wednesday news and preview the upcoming Bristol City fixture. Now it's time for some Wednesday news and uh, dispatches from Cypriot Soccer is back as Sam Hutchinson has joined Eddie Newhue on the Mediterranean island. Not the same team, but he's going to enjoy some uh, some sun, some good white wine. And Do we read anything into our out-of-contract players not being able to get jobs in England? 
Do you think there's a, is there an agent do you think that uh, is working with Wednesday at the moment that has Cyprus contacts? It feels weird that two of our it players seems have been beyond Cyprus. a coincidence. And yeah, yeah. I only half jokingly put something in the WhatsApp group last week about well we can watch Europa League you know and watch Ate, but now it seems like you know the uh, the Cypriot League is probably the only ones not on ESPN Plus these days. So um, hopefully we can watch these guys. Well, CBS has the uh, has the uh, CBS online streaming has the Europa League, um, but I don't think perhaps, I get that one. Uh, Hutch and Auntie just really like to party in the sun with you know ridiculously beautiful women on the Mediterranean. Yeah, I think I'll play more likely than. Uh, I mean, Cyprus, like I said last week, is is a bit of a, a no brainer between choosing that and Stoke. So um, <laughs> all the best to him. We've seen Hutch's Hutch beach body. So. Boots up tackles. So Hutch was like, I'm in. <laughs> Hutch can slide better on sand. We talked last week that perhaps uh, we might see fans back in English soccer in the coming months. The pilot program has been scrapped for the foreseeable future. In possibly related news, I believe like 18 out of 37 Leighton Orient players have tested positive for uh, COVID. So, yeah, it's it's not going great, Patty. It's not, is it? Um, uh, the botched UK government's uh, lockdown uh, has uh, come back to bite them in the ass. Uh, and that would mean that, uh, fans aren't going to be allowed in the stands. And it's... It, it's the reason why some people are upset is because they've still got pubs open and they've still got like indoor dining's fine and work and schools still still open yet people can't stand outside in a stand and it, I, I see both points right um, but the way they've phased this lockdown measures in the UK seems completely random I feel like in the US even though we've had a lot of deaths in the country this the northeast at least has handled it relatively well and have been quite cautious about reopening up and the phases seem to have made sense whereas uh the uk seems to be completely slapdash and that's what we're seeing now is this kind of uh, uptick in cases i think it was like four thousand cases yesterday in the uk uh as opposed to like 400 in new jersey um it's not looking good for my trip back home at christmas well i'll tell you what um south carolina is not very restrictive about what people can and can't do. There are towns that still do not have mask ordinances for public gatherings. Um, the owners of the Charleston Battery, however, uh, have taken a completely different tact, and they're following the CDC guidelines. Um, I've been to four matches so far, and in their stadium, they've had a maximum of I think it was 250 people. Oh, wow. And I'm on the board of the regiment, the supporters group. So, you know, we get first dibs on tickets. Um, but every game is, is season ticket holders. They, they sell out very quickly. And uh, we socially distance. They, they, they are vigilant about people wearing masks in the stadium. And that's due to the new ownership. Um, and it's so far been a success. And what's your um, capacity usually, Tommy? I'm sorry, say that again. What's your capacity of the stadium? So, 250 people seems a small amount, but what's the, what can the stadium hold? Um, I think it's 5,700. So it's you know it's 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 not a big stadium. Uh, you know, it's certainly not Hillsborough. But it's, uh, you know, it, they're letting some season ticket holders in and they're letting them socially distance um, to the point where it's we got we got footy back in Charleston. Um, we're lighting off smoke. We're bringing in our drums. Uh, <laughs> our horn section is allowed to stay where they're where they're at. Um, oh, that was a big no, no for James last week. No band. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, however, our horn section is completely from South America, so it's awesome. <laughs> I've been curious, though. I'm curious about that number, 250, and then I was also curious about the uh, the thousand of being allowed at these uh, English stadiums for the for the pilots. Is 
A thousand people seems like not enough to move the needle for enthusiasm, but more of a nuisance <laughs> as far as staffing goes. Yeah, I think so, the idea was like it was the pilot to make sure they could do it with a thousand. I assume they'd probably try to move up to, you know, ten or twenty five percent after that. But just tell you back to the late Orient thing, like the only reason they found this out is because Tottenham paid for all the testing before the League Cup game because the lower leagues are only testing once a month. So I feel like we're watching walking a little bit of a knife's edge here where we could see maybe outbreaks among the you know the championship or the lower leagues in general that might bring everything to a halt i mean it won't bring everything to a halt because there's too much money on the line but as we've seen in sports both in the u.s and abroad but i i do worry a little bit about it and we've seen you know uh obviously you know warnock tested positive david moyes tested positive uh, along with several other west ham players uh and staff so wait a neil warnock tested positive yeah <laughs> i didn't mean to laugh there i didn't mean to laugh i'm sorry it's like it's it's like i hope he's fine yeah i, I know and it goes through this he's, everything's fine i didn't mean to laugh i'm sorry i mean he's like he's 71 fine. he's not young is the other thing it's, it's he's only 71 it's about 91 <laughs> yeah, he but looks like, like he's 112 it doesn't seem like the EFL is taking this as, as seriously as they should. And they certainly did for the restart and to get the season finished. And now it's just kind of like, this is the, the new normal. And as like, I just saw that the, the Liverpool Arsenal league cup game, I think it is got moved to 8 PM British time. So they yeah, can show it in pubs. Like, yeah. So the, the new curfew is that, um, there's a new curfew and yeah. it's 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. But the hilarity of it all is that um, they can still watch the game in the bar. So they they would have been over the 10 p.m. curfew if it, if it started at 8.15 originally. Yeah. So rather than just saying, don't go watch it in a pub, no, they're moving the game forward to 8 p.m. So you can still watch it in the pub together. That's what I mean about slapdash kind of lockdown. It's just um, it's just all over the place. Yeah, well, I, I see that even even uh, uh, Fat Frank has come out and said that the Premier League should support the lower leagues because of COVID, because the lower leagues are going to suffer much more because a vast majority of them don't have billionaire fucking owners. Or billion-dollar TV deals. Bucks, or, you know, Russian oligarch bucks. Oh yeah, and that's totally true. It's really nice, Frank, Frank, to say that because uh, obviously Macclesfield Town went out of business last week. Uh, I, I don't think they'll be the the last. Um, and something needs to help clubs stay afloat. You've seen how much we lose on a yearly basis, and we're apparently a big club. Big club, which, which screams about you know the 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 problem with the money in football, and if you're going to let Chelsea. And 250 million, a quarter of a billion pounds in one transfer window on five players, then EFL can suck a fat one if they want to be like, oh, well, you can't sell your stadium to yourself. <laughs> How about this? How about this? How about you talk to Chelsea and Liverpool first? All right. Well, not Liverpool. They didn't spend any money. But how about you know United and City who are dropping billions of pounds in a transfer window? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm starting to go off. <laughs> it's fine. Isn't your wife a Chelsea fan? <laughs> it's a good conversation. She is, and she's like, you know what? If you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> <laughs> At least Frank spending two million dollars and also saying we should help the EFL clubs too. <laughs> well, what he said was the the television money. Uh, should go to the EFL because um, the Prem clubs don't need it. Which I was like, wow, that's shocking. Because fucking Fulham needs it. <laughs> I'm sure the owners would uh, disagree with that statement. Yeah, we need. They need you all take the top six and you take all their all their, you know, the the ridiculous amount of profits they make. Take their television profits and just throw it down to the lower leagues. And that will float the lower leagues 
for 18 months during this the rest of this COVID shit. Yep. Excited to get into uh, our old friend Paul Owen's territory now. Um, <laughs> she came back on the pod just to uh, have a rant. Jeff, have, you sne- have you sneaked a dispatcher some Bulgarian soccer? Or I going? have. So uh, I don't know if you know this, Patty, but <laughs> Preslav Borokov scored again. For easy- You know how I know this? People just send me the clips of him scoring now. This was Lord H this time. Uh, a true poacher's goal. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> is it locomotive? Uh, the closest he got a he got a square ball in the box. I think the closest defender to him was like five feet away, and he's like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how good the quality of the Bulgarian first division is, but uh, yeah, it's a two and one so it's far for <laughs> heroes in the second division. <laughs> <laughs> two and one so for uh, some year we're gonna do what's the most Wednesday thing that's gonna happen, and it's gonna be Preslav Poroskov making his championship return and scoring against us. I think he's heading straight to the Premier League after this, Mike. So, uh, sorry, of course, sorry. Well, maybe like a maybe a short stop at Dortmund or something like that. Dortmund, it'll be, it'll be, Porto, it'll be, it'll be, one of those uh, intermediate clubs. Marseille, yeah, yeah, or go to Cyprus. Yeah, why not? Another championship fixture to look forward to this weekend. So to preview the Bristol City game from BCFC NYC, it's Dan Thomas. Dan, how's it going? Yeah, it's very well. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So Bristol City have been a trendy playoff pick the last few seasons. Finished smack dab in the middle of the table last year. Changed their manager during the restart. What are the expectations for this season? Um, I think that because the previous manager was obviously uh, sacked due to not making the top six, I think that you know we have to be aiming for that still. Um, you know we we've. we've pretty much kept the same squad together with a good uh, few additions in, the, in key places. So, yeah, I think top six, obviously, I don't think he would get sacked if we, you know, are finished within kind of touching distance of the top six, but don't quite make it. As long as there's kind of like some considerable improvement in the style of play, um, you know, the enjoyment level definitely uh, almost completely disappeared around the club last season. So I think some like, you know, attacking football, exciting football, um, and you know, just a just a just a good feeling around the club would definitely um, be enough if, as long as we're in the top half. So you do have a young manager in Dean Holden who took over for Lee Johnson, who's also in Lee Johnson's uh, backroom staff. What can we expect for sort of strategy and tactics? You know, has there been wholesale changes made? Is this you know a similar formation with just some tweaks here and there? How do you see sort of Bristol City setting up to face Wednesday on Sunday? Yeah, he he, um, he definitely favours a wing-back formation. So, um, you know, we'll kind of have three at the back and then obviously Jack Hunt, who you guys will know well, will probably play right wing-back. Uh, and then, you know, we'll look to kind of high press, try and nick the ball off you guys like high up the pitch and then get in behind like quick. So we've got Naki Wells up front. He'll make quite a lot of runs, and then we've got like lots of energy around around him with uh, Andy Wyman, uh, Jamie Patterson, and uh, yeah, we'll just try and get the ball forward quickly, and then create overloads on uh, each wing with the wing backs. Get the ball into the box. Uh, we've got Chris Martin or Famara Jeju, whoever starts up front uh, alongside Wells, obviously great in the air. And then we'll also have, like I said, bundles of energy around the box. So midfielders arriving late um, if they want to kind of pull it back to the edge of the box. So we got a, a, more ways of scoring than we had last season where there was kind of no obvious pattern of play. It was chop and change the starting 11 and the formation every single week. So it's kind of a set formation. Players know what's expected of them and, and they're definitely sort of buying into uh, to, to the new system. Seems to be working well so far. Those players, are, are you, when you reel them off like that, they're such established championship players that you've got now, like Wyman, Wells, Hunt, uh and obviously, an old name of ours too on the left side now is Chris Brunt's just um, joined you as well. Uh, so you could have the dream team of Hunt and uh, Brunt uh, on the two wing backs, uh, ex Wednesday players. Um, <clears throat> is Brunty starting for you? No, not not at the moment. I think we've you know we've kind of brought him in as a bit of a bit more experience around the club because we lost uh, well we, Ashley Williams was out of contract, so we didn't offer him a new contract. But we've got a, quite a young squad still. 
And so we've just kind of complemented that with like like savvy championship experience. So, you know, Wells, Wyman, Brunt, we've got Alfie Mawson now, Jack Hunt, like, you know, Chris Martin. Like just, I think that we were just lacking a little bit of um, like savviness in, in certain games. Uh, and also kind of like expectation levels, you know, players like someone who's going to hold the squad to, you know, to a set standard. Um, so I think we've we've probably got that now, which was something that was lacking before. And how's Jack Hunt doing for you? Because, I mean, before we sold Joao to Reading last year, Jack Hunt was the only player Wednesday got money for in about four years. Wow. So, <laughs> so he was like, we, we do, we like Jack Hunt. He was a good player. Uh, I'm glad to see him do well for championship club still. So is yeah. he just a firm right back? Now he just stays in that uh, first level in every single game? Doesn't no one ever kind of like challenge him or... It's well, one. last season we had a, a Portuguese right back, uh, Portuguese under twenty one on loan for the season, and uh, to be fair, Jack Hunt probably played. I think he played the majority of the games. He had a few niggles throughout the season, but you know he, he, he's he's very dependable. Um, we've we've brought in Stephen Sessegnon, the younger Sessegnon from Fulham on loan, and I think he is probably like his early days, obviously, but and I haven't seen much of him. But he seems a bit more natural, kind of going forwards, whereas I. I I think Hunt probably a better defender, but I mean, you know, Hunt chipped in with a few assists last season. I think mean, you've probably, I mean, we didn't score a lot of goals, but I think Hunt was probably like fourth on our assists uh, table last year. So he gets some, some assists. Like, you know, he's great. He's, he's a good defender. He's a dependable player for sure. Um, and I think perhaps getting forward isn't as natural to him, but he definitely, like I said, chips in with some goals and 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 can make a difference there. He's already, I think he's already assisted like at least one, maybe two goals so far this season. So, yeah, he's good. A good player. Good lad. We like Hunty. Uh, so Saturday's game against us. Um, uh, in the past, uh, not been a good fixture for you guys. Um, what are you expecting from Saturday's game? Uh, any predictions? Uh, I see you've got off to a great start. So, um, we're also off to a good start other than today's game against Fulham. Um, so, are you feeling confident? Yeah, I think like um, you know, th- there's definitely some confidence around the club. I mean, anytime you kind of get off to like a perfect start, like we won every game, you know, you, that confidence grows. I guess you don't want to get too overconfident, but I think that, like I said, with those kind of solid championship players, I think they'll keep everybody grounded. Um, one thing that has definitely changed from last year is we we just did not score anywhere near enough goals last year. We didn't even create enough chances last year. I think we we were bottom three in the kind of chances created table and top three in the chances against us um but so far like i think now we're at over 200 minutes without a, a shot on target against us so we've definitely tightened things up and um like i said earlier you know we we definitely have a set style of play that looks like you know we know how we're going to score goals there's, there's a route to a goal whereas last year last year it was just you know hit and hope basically try and we're playing kind of percentage football get the ball in dangerous areas and hope it hope it um, hope it came off, but it just didn't come off near enough last year. Cool. Um, so I, I really hope we can see you guys again soon at Football Factory. Have a few ciders with you. Um, the Football Factory might be opening again at the end of the month. Uh, yeah, <laughs> any hopefully. any chances uh, you're going to be down there? You're going to leave it a bit longer for the uh, for it's uh, deemed safe. <laughs> uh, I think like. Well, I think if they're going to open it, uh, is it twenty five percent capacity or something like that? So, yeah, I mean, with table service only. Yeah, so I guess it depends on what games are on, doesn't it? If there's some big Premier League games on, you might find it hard to uh, find, find open Championship corner. But... Championship, I'd say Championship corner is no more. Yeah, ho- hopefully they you know reserve Championship corner, and then yeah, depending on what what games are on, we'll try and get in for sure. It'd be nice to see Jack. I spoke to him a couple of times, and yeah, it's been a difficult period, hasn't it? But. Yeah, well, you're always welcome to join us at Bryant Park as long as it's warm. We've been doing our outdoor meetups. Is that you watch? <laughs> yeah, but not for Sunday. Sunday's 8 a.m. game might be a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say. Might be a different crowd at 8 a.m. Oh, it's, it's a pretty lively crowd at 10 a.m. to be fair. <laughs> uh, but no, good. Thanks for coming, Dan. Appreciate it. And uh, all of the best for the season. That's it for Saturday on Sunday morning. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Patty, where can you watch the Bristol City game? Uh, so, despite the early Sunday morning 8 a.m. Uh, kickoff, it's not on ESPN, which is what you use, I think. It's on iFollow still. Um, as it's on early Sunday 8 a.m. EST, um, and what, 5 a.m. in Portland for you, uh, Mike? 
5 a.m., baby. <laughs> so no physical meetups this weekend. Uh, we uh, might do a virtual meetup, even that's quite early for people to see each other on Zoom, but we'll, we'll let you know. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 5 a.m., baby. <laughs> How, you doing it? How you doing it, Mike? I'll probably throw something on. I'll be up, so... Yeah, why not? If you want to see Again, our faces at 8 a.m. in the morning. There's no clocks, so. Yeah, at 5 a.m. in the West Coast. Join us on our virtual meetup, apparently. Yeah. Well, my face in uh, 8 a.m. doesn't look a whole lot different than this. <laughs> so I'm apologizing in advance. <laughs> You've been listening to episode 106 of the Owls Americast. We're currently looking for season sponsors. You can get in touch at owlsamericas at gmail.com or owlsamericas.com. You can also find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americast. Our podcast, Intro and Bumpers, by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask you to rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at cascadia owls mike how is that six percent cider hitting you uh like water yeah <laughs> i'm jealous i'm gonna find a whiskey now tommy is on twitter at palmetto owls tommy so how did the chelsea fa cup game from a couple of years ago go over in your household then uh actually my wife and i watched it at Ma Majorua irish pub and she watched it on one side of the pub and I was on the other. <laughs> what I do need to say is that Charleston Battery has a game in hand and we're only three points behind Tampa Bay. <laughs> so, uh, how many games left to the season? Fingers crossed. We have not lost since uh, April 12th. Might start watching Charleston Battery rather than Red Bulls because they seem a bit more successful than uh, any of my sports teams right now. Uh, everybody should, for a everybody spot should too. support the Charleston Battery. We're the oldest consecutive uh, uh, team in 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 America. <laughs> um, so you know, the older, bigger, better, and all that. <laughs> Screw you, Seattle. But uh, so it's uh, here's here's hoping that uh, Loughton, uh can get rid of their COVID and we can have a match because uh, otherwise. Tampa Bay uh, has one more game than we do, and I don't think that's fair. That's weird. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, really not going to Brighton Par- Bryant Park for 8 a.m.? No. Um, <laughs> although the uh, the entertainment got was much better this, last week. We had a, a yoga session. Uh, I don't know. It was like a, a dance class going on before the game started last weekend at 10 a.m. So the next week but one. We're going to join the uh, fitness class in Bryant Park before the uh, game. So uh, come down to Bryant Park. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. I'll be keeping a close eye on Hartford Athletics' playoff push against whatever the Pittsburgh team is. I forget what their actual name is. We'll have updates on that and probably also Wednesday football next week. <laughs>